Hello, hello. My helmet of hair looks, uh, looks okay. I'm sorry that these episodes are kind of at the mercy of how I'm feeling at the time, that, you know. But I also seem to grab onto the smallest of inconveniences, just make excuses to not do things. And that's called cognitive dissonance, which is where you know something's right or wrong, but you do it anyway, repeatedly. Any addict, whether it be food, drugs, alcohol, work, even any addict is continuously practicing a very high level of cognitive dissonance. You know, nobody nobody gets to the end of their life and they're like, oh man, I wish I had had more McDonald's. No, no. They wish that they had listened to themselves, their inner voice, and not had so much McDonald's. Being cognizant of that is how you combat it, by turning up the volume on your inner voice. That's right for me. That's good for me. I'm going to do it. That's bad for me. Not good at all. I have to let it go. I'm saying all of that because um, June 1st, which was just five days ago, four days ago. Well, technically May 31st, I made the decision to go sober, which I've done before, you know. So I don't necessarily have a ton of trust in myself to see it through, but I'm doing it with a friend. This is a friend from college who sold weed to me as, you know, very, very often. I'm not going to say his name, but he is somebody that I never, ever thought that would, would stop smoking weed. And now he and I are are trying to do this. We've been texting every day since, like, hey, how are you doing? How's this going for you? And I would like to be sober, or at least a lot more sober, for the back half of this year. So we'll see how this goes. Unfortunately for me, sobriety has always been attached to money. When I go broke, when I have no money, I'm like, man, I should really get sober. Kind of like the cognitive dissonance that I was just talking about. Yeah, it's like that. Give me $10,000 and then see if I can go sober. Talk to me then. That would be very hard. But the best thing to do is if you're going to take off a habit, put on a good habit. Yesterday, I just completed six weeks of getting daily activity, taking my vitamins, and hitting a calorie deficiency most of the days. I feel like I've been putting on this habit for the last six weeks, this good habit, and fading out of this bad habit that I've had since I was 19. I started smoking weed at 19. Alcohol was a little bit before that, actually, because in Brazil you can drink at 18, so it's it's pretty pretty easy to be sneaky there. The buddy that I'm doing this with, we actually were like, after 30 days or 60 or 90, we should probably just start a podcast, like a sober podcast, and he can invite one of his friends, and we can do a weekly keeping each other accountable, and even including audience members who might be trying to go sober. I don't know. Anyways. I want to detail my first day at college because this day is something that only I went through from my perspective and I've never been able to like tell somebody exactly how it went for me. So I want to do that. Showing up to the school at a week after having been in the city, kind of getting used to like, okay, what's down this road? What's down that road? Or what well, same road, but <laughs> uh, perpendicular. That. Immediately, the first student that we see is, he's wearing like a, he's wearing like a super nice vest and a bow tie and all that stuff. And Tristan and I, my, my roommate, we knew each other when we were little kids. We both came from the west side states and we moved to Michigan together to, to go to college. We were both like, we're so underdressed. Luckily, it was only him. It was only that guy who dresses like that on the regular. So we, um... 
saw that as the standard and then everybody else was dressed like us and then the standard lowered so that was nice we stood in the line stood in line in our two separate cohorts and all of a sudden i hear somebody shouting to, to somebody up further in the line and i'm not even joking it went like this kitsune kitsune and i went oh no <laughs> what school did i just start attending Luckily, he wasn't a student, he was just the brother of a student, and I was like, uh, heart rate can relax. I was terrified. I was terrified that that was a new standard in this school, like well-dressed and then super flamboyant people. Oh, I didn't have to endure that. So, we split off into groups, divided by a color, divert, let, I'll, I guess I'll read my script here, determined by our personality type. Each group had to find common ground <laughs> based on their personalities and then present them, these presentations, in front of the entire class. So I was part of the blue group. Part of the blue, we, you know, everybody there is there for a reason. We all have stuff in common. Like, we as the blue group were very different from the people in the red, orange, or yellow group or whatever it was. Somebody in the group took the reins and started doing the presentation, and I obviously needed to be recognized by people. I needed my attention. I don't know if you've ever taken the personality tests like I'm a ENTJ or something like that, which stands for extrovert N-word. <laughs> okay. One of the one of the things in the presentation was like what's a song that represents you as a group? And so he goes um he goes um can you feel the love tonight? Something like I think it was referencing the Lion King, but it's Elton John. Right as he said that, I burst out in song, and we're all in this sound stage. <laughs> and I go, can you feel the love tonight? And as I do that, the whole, everybody erupts in like laughing and clapter. What? <laughs> I don't even know what that means. They erupted clapping. They were cheering, they liked me. Later, did I find out that me doing that was very polarizing, actually, because not everybody clapped. In fact, the dude who said the Lion King thing, can you feel the love tonight? I'll never forget his look at me. He was just like, <laughs> I'm talking. And I was thinking, shut up, because did you see what just happened here? That was for me, not for you. So you can continue with the little presentation there. Yeah, so I made friends later on in the school year, and they told me that on that day when I burst out in song like that, they hated me for it. <laughs> and that's funny, because um, people who hated me for doing that were either extroverts who needed their own attention, quota filled, or they were introverts who could not relate at all to somebody who would do that. <laughs> But at the time, none of that mattered because I made myself known and what usually happens after that happened. A number of people walked up to me to introduce themselves to me because they felt comfortable enough to do that because I had broken the ice. You know, they come up and say, dude, nice voice, we should sing together or something like that. Or dude, that made me laugh, what's your name? That's the avenue that my social anxiety decided to approach social situations is Doing it any other way is difficult for me. I need to break the ice in a big way in front of an audience and have people come up to me afterwards. If I don't ever see the opportunity to make a crowd laugh, it's very difficult for me to approach people in that crowd just as me, not having made them laugh, because I, I feel like they don't know my power, you know? 
I can be me on stage, free of any inhibition, self-consciousness, because I'm alive on that stage. Then I get off stage and engage in one-on-one -on -one conversation with people, and my anxiety is through the roof. It's like flip-flopped. I have stage fright in person. I have no stage fright on the stage. But that's on par for how performers usually are. If you'll notice Johnny Depp, Harrison Ford, they are the most shy. Robert De Niro, so shy. Not that I would know. But they can stand on a stage on Broadway and do an entire play day after day after day. But when it comes to interpersonal talking, conversational relationships, it's like a uh, little, little bit harder. This was orientation. This is not necessarily the first day of school, but this is orientation. I can run through the rest of that day. We went into each class and kind of met the teachers. One of the teachers in particular, I will never forget, processing him as he stood up in front of us. This guy would like, he would almost pump his thought process through his body. So he'd be talking to us and he would go, it, it's like, and he would literally take steps to the side as he's thinking about his next thing to say. And one thing that he would do is he would always look above us. It must have been something that he learned in, from a public speaking class or whatever, but he would always look up. And so if we're like this, he's like, you and you and you. <laughs> I will never forget Dr. Mark. And around that, same, around that same time, we're all like in the soundstage eating lunch. And I did something, you know me, if, I'm, if I have a bodily function, I'm going to do it on this podcast and even include it. So I, I did some nasty burp. I mean, it was like, and all of a sudden I hear this, bless you. And I look and it's Dr. Mark and he's staring at me with this. <laughs> I think he was really offended. Didn't know how to take what I just did. But screw him. <laughs> it's funny because that was like a high level of passive aggression, which that's my next topic. See the segue there? Dude, passive aggression is everywhere. And the more I see it, the less I do it. People have such trouble saying what's on their hearts and minds, and they will drag out conflict for months and months, even years, to avoid addressing it directly. Then if you break the fourth wall and actually address it, they go, what do you mean? What, you're misinterpreting my intent. You don't read my actions properly, which is a total gaslight. That's what passive aggression is for. It is made to make the victim think, did they mean to do that? Or was that just absent-mindedness on their part? Did they just not consider my feelings? Not considering someone's feelings is forgivable. That's why they can get away with that. Purposely digging at someone is less forgivable. And sometimes it's neither because people only seem to categorize actions in these two categories. Did they mean to do that or was it absent-minded? I know people who live and reside in passive aggression. That's their only form of communication. And any honesty that's brought forth to them or wanted from them is too overwhelming for them to handle. It's the most common way to signal to somebody else that you're mad at them without directly telling them that you're mad at them for something. It's usually how people are raised. People are raised communicating like this. I'm gonna give you the silent treatment instead of actively trying to mend this fence with you. We're just gonna let the fence be broke, I guess. I admire families and couples who are direct with one another, and for the most part, the families that I see do that 
are secular families and not raised in the church. And church-going families, unfortunately, are the ones that tiptoe around conflict for as long as they possibly can until the conflict is staring them in the face, until it's no longer avoidable. That right there is cognitive dissociation, where you dissociate from the problem. as a self-protective maneuver, which is understandable, but we shouldn't always be at the mercy of our feelings. A lot of times you have to push through those feelings and even use them to fuel the, the confrontation, not escalate the confrontation. I'm just saying to, in order to get the person to do it at all, conf confront them. Honesty is literally always the best policy, no matter how uncomfortable it is. And I have trouble being honest to people who I have no faith that they're going to be able to receive my honesty or critique, even if I'm not even presenting it to them in an aggressive way, even if I'm just, hey, this really bothered me. If I felt that the person could receive my critique in an adult and mature manner, I would be a lot more vocal about the things that I see. But the people who react to criticism in honesty, like, <coughs> that reaction is meant to stop you from ever doing that again. Don't be honest with me about what you see. Don't critique me. I feel like there's a lot more that I could say about that. And what I would have to say about it is examples. I would have to give you examples. Because what I feel happens is somebody will misinterpret an action and then fire back. When the first person doing the action might have legitimately been absent-minded and not even considered the fact that they would have interpreted it that way. But since their actions are being mirrored by the other person, then it's like, oh, they're firing back. Wow, they're shooting back. Hmm. And it's like, yeah, but I'm comfortable because I know that my actions were not meant to be a dig to them and theirs were in return. Wow, okay, so I'm going to have to let them figure that out. That type of behavior is the most common behavior that I see <laughs> from people. I think people are so terrified of confrontation. But, you know, I can, I can hop off of that. I, uh, there is something that I wanted to show you guys. Um, in college, I'm, I'm just going to end the episode with this and... If there's any more that you would like to hear about any of these topics that I discuss, please say so in the comments and I will expand on them later. Okay, so I made two really good friends in college. I mean, right away. I've never felt more part of a trio. Kayate. We called each other, we, we called ourselves TMI. <laughs> and we were, we were starting to do comedy skits. We even did a song, which I'm going to show you the song. Okay, it took some looking, but I finally found it. This is a rap song created by my comedy trio in college, TMI. Again, these are two friends who we all signed up to do one full year of school that, that goes through the summer too. And right before the summer semester, they both left college. They both dipped out. And that was eight years ago, and I'm still recovering from having said goodbye to them so unexpectedly and prematurely like that. Like, they just... I'm, I'm still, I still think that you couldn't have just stuck it through that last semester. I, I, that one's been a hard one to let go. I'll never forget getting the text from one of the friends that he wasn't coming back. And I knew one already wasn't coming back. I was not expecting the second one. I read his text and I had to go find a place to cry. I had to, I went into the library, shut the door and sobbed about this dude leaving. Luckily, I was able to, once they left, disperse and kind of find my own, you know, expand my horizon as far as friends went. I was kind of forced to do that, but uh, anyways, this is the song that we created. Hopefully you like it. You got it going. Mm. You'll drop the beat. 
you going with the flow? Getting chicks, you left and right. All these dudes you wanna fight, but I'm a lover, not a fighter. And these chicks wanna hug me tighter. My friends see me as a mentor, and I guess I kinda right. You're in with all these people going hard all night. So baby, let me play it and just sit tight. Alright, here they come, here they come. All these honeys lining up, they waiting to see me. Guys wanna just be me? They call me the prince or even the king. I'll tell you my philosophy, cause I don't have a wing, man. Basically, I approach and show them what I got. Here's what I have to offer, and it's real, real hot. Yo, sit on my lap, let me explain. I got paragraphs to tell you, please don't complain. But wisdom is wise, you'll see with your eyes. I know what I'm saying, so I'll say what I know. Backflip, do a backflip. To impress a chick, do a backflip. Backflip, do a backflip. To impress a chick, do a backflip. Alright, here we go, I'ma show you how it flows. Step one, clench your thighs real tight. Step two, squeeze your cheeks just right. Step three, making sure you looking fly. Number five, look up to the sky. Step six, wink at your chest. Seven, ascend into the heaven. Step eight, land? Oh! Bouncing, diving, dropping, falling, plunging, rising, vaulting, bobbing, bucking, jarring, jerking, jolting, hopping, leaping, flipping, lifting, spinning, tossing, bounding, pouncing, shocking, stepping, springing, swerving, twitching, flailing, aching, bleeding, hurting, crying, barfing, dying. I'm hot, you're not. Just kidding, you're hot. Backflips are bestest when you're wearing your vest. Tell your mama, tell your papa, tell your granny or your uncle this athletic piece of art is really something they should know. Bad salts, do some bad salts. No, stop, I don't stop. Who would that impress? That was... My stepmom? No. What? Oh. That was sweet. Backflip, do a backflip. To impress a chick, do a backflip. Backflip, do a backflip. To impress a chick, do a backflip. I started flipping in the hospital I knew I had the gift Once I shot my body Six feet tall I remember mama telling me The baby's so tight Cause when them shortest come running Warning baby They be dripping Flipping, dipping And skipping I'm making women tripping With my body so high Backwards up in the sky Even in my suffer days I was finding out ways To bring to life The mother loving ways Me impressing Yes, dress your best Now let me tell you When it's best to Two, three, four Backflip And my dedication Backflip at my graduation, backflip when you need motivation, backflip at my grandma's funeral. I paid my respects. Oh, yeah. Then I did a backflip, do a backflip, to impress a chick, do a backflip, backflip, do a backflip, to impress a chick, do a backflip. Yeah, but have you ever done a front flip? So that's it. <laughs> we will make a music video to that song one day. I promise you that. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for watching. Peace, everybody.